This episode of We're Getting a Dog contains descriptions of violence towards pets and other animals that some listeners may find offensive. In order to keep our podcast historically and factually accurate, we have chosen to include these descriptions to provide a better understanding of the breed that we're presenting. Listener discretion is advised. getting a dog welcome back everyone another and week of dogs happy holidays happy too. thanksgiving yeah we hope you all had a really nice thanksgiving i know it's a little bit strange this year but yeah and we got christmas stuff in full swing can't see oh, a yeah. tree we it's have right the there. tree there there's stuff behind us on the right, shelves yeah, there's everywhere. like a tree banner in the entryway we've got all sorts of christmas stuff the halls are decked the with boughs of holly wow that took a lot to remember <laughs> fa la 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 well, La? Sir Dylan, uh, what breed are we doing today? We are doing German Shepherd. Nine is no in German. What's yes? Nine. Um, no, actually, I couldn't remember this last night either. I was <laughs> trying to f- remember what yes in German was. Very negative people. It's no. Always no. Yeah. It's just yeah, yeah, ja okay. with a with a J. Yeah. It's not it's not jaw. Love the German people. We but... love German people. I just went to Germany before this pandemic yeah. started. And going over some a darker history of Germany, but, you know, also some lighter history because the German Shepherd originates from Germany, of course. Yeah. The original German name for the breed is Deutscher Schafferhund, which translates to German Shepherd Dog. Can I read that for you? Because you said it very <laughs> French. That was French? Yeah. I thought it was just wrong. Deutsche Schafferhund. Like what do that. you think of when you think of German Shepherds? I think of... um. Lassie, but even though Lassie, Lassie wasn't a German Shepherd, she's no. a collie, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who do I think of when I think of a German Shepherd? I mean, you thinking I, Rin Tin Tin? Maybe. Yeah, I think like a movie dog. For yeah, we sure. talked about him in the Chihuahua episode. Okay, that's who I'm thinking of then. I don't know. I also think a lot of, you know, not to not to get start this up already. I think of Nazi Germany quite a bit, actually. <laughs> Just straight there. Germ- I mean, Hitler, Hitler's choice pets were German Shepherds. Uh, Dobermans oh. were his guard dogs. German Shepherds were his pets. Well, I tend to think of them as like a working breed, often like police dogs. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, like drug-sniffing dogs. I yeah. definitely think of German and Shepherds. And generally military dogs. Yeah. Canine dogs. They're very majestic looking. I mean, I, I think a lot of people think of them as fearful, but I always thought the German Shepherd looked very like regal and... Oh yeah, I always like seeing them as an occupational dog. So oh yeah, we have a couple of videos of um, we have puppies being trained as canine Ooh. dogs. So you can see what German Shepherd puppies look like, and on their first day training to be canines. No, <laughs> these so puppies are armed with cuteness and ready to serve. Three German Shepherd pups were recruited by the Australian Federal Police to be the newest members of their canine unit. But it looks like the, the little world. ones like, couldn't yeah. help but be easily distracted during their first day of training. <laughs> the dogs will head to the police academy where hopefully they won't eat their homework. It's a good thing the paparazzi the house were there behind to getting robbed their right adorable now. first day. <laughs> They were playing the whole time. They were the only guard dogs they had on. T- 
That's really cool, though. Yeah, you don't really see them doing much, but I have another video of a canine puppy. I think that's a uh, nine weeks oldish. It's doing a lot more tricks. Definitely more tricks than I've ever seen, like a little puppy do. Aww. Oh, he's so cute. So tiny, but still already they do obedient. Get, yeah, they get pretty big, too. Oh, yeah, they get huge. Yeah, they grow to up to 26 inches tall on average. Wow. Well, that's up to like. I was about to ask, yeah. 22 to 26 inches, what the AKC says. Mm -hmm. Females and males. Oh, well, that was a good job. And they can get to near 100 pounds, the oh big my ones. Oh, God. So this is, for those of you listening, um, not on YouTube here, uh, we're watching a woman do some obedience training with a German Shepherd. This dog's only nine weeks. They're doing the sit command, it looks like, so she's moving away further and further so the dog won't come to her right away. Yeah, I think she's just like waving treats in front of his face and trying to make him wait for it. It's like a stay, yeah, sit, yeah. stay, yeah. Oh, wow, well, he's getting the hang of it, it looks like, so. Yeah, very patient puppy. Not yeah. doing fancy tricks or anything yet. Oh, but a little hop and a bark. <laughs> containing himself better. <laughs> very, very cute. Most nine-week-old puppies. Yeah. So this is a very young canine in training. For sure. Well, I mean, you have to get them started yeah. early. <laughs> if we've learned anything from watching the National Dog Show. Yeah, better than those Australian ones just messing around with toys. <laughs> so uh, talk about the name. We yes. mentioned it was Deutsche Schäferhund. And, That's uh, actually, that was actually pretty good, actually. <laughs> Great. And there are a lot of other, uh, there were a lot of other German herding dogs, and there are still today. Yeah. Uh, German shepherd dog used to be more of like an umbrella term. Okay. It's like, just call it like any, any German herding dog. Got it. Dog that herded sheep. It is, it is a very um, generic name for a dog, just yeah. German shepherd. It's like, oh, okay, well obviously they were used for sheep. Like, yeah. But now that... Now that name's just for the German Shepherd breed, and right. all those other German herding dogs are Aldeutsche Schäferhunde, oh. or old German herding dogs. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Are those are any of those breeds one we might recognize today? I think it's still just more of a general category, and sure. that's just like okay. working breeds, not as like formally classified. Okay, for sure. And uh, the name Alsatian Wolf Dog was used by the British Kennel Club after World War One. I'm going to correct you really quick. It's Alsacian. Alsacian. Alsace is a region in France. Named after the Alsace region in France, bordering yeah. Germany. I learned how to pronounce that from Chef Frenchie at the restaurant I worked at before I... Ah. There, I was reading a book about... Oh, it was the book about how the French hid their vintage wine in World War II ah, from the Nazis, yeah. and a lot of it came from the Alsace region of France. It's a winemaking country. Nice. Well, uh, the name changed again uh, to Alsatian, not Alsatian wolf dog. Got it. Uh, when owners were worried that calling it wolf dog would make people think it's a wolf dog hybrid. Sure. Which is a thing. Oh, <laughs> I w wouldn't have even thought of that. I guess when I think wolf dog now, I just think of their dogs that obviously were a little more closer to wolves on the genetic scale. Yeah, but they do like actually like make hybrids of wolf That's, dogs. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Don't know much about those, but mm. I'll do a mini episode on sometime. Check out in 2021, we're doing mini-sodes. Uh, then in 1977, the British Kennel Club finally started calling them German Shepherd Dogs. Okay. <laughs> they were calling them Alsatians until 1977. Wow. And then, uh, wait, how do you pronounce it? Alsatian? Alsace. Well, the, the region Al is Alsace, so it's probably Al Alsacean. Alsacean. Yeah. And then Alsacean was in parentheses after the name until 2010. 
Seriously? Yes, it's just recently, officially, in Britain. Gone back to German Shepherd Dog. Oh, this is Britain. I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about the United States. No, this is just British name. Which is weird. They're usually similar names in Britain and America. But America never switched to Alsatian. I wonder, though, I mean, you have to think, though, British and French, they're, you know, British and British and French, England and France are pretty close to each other. So it's very possible. I mean, the colloquial name probably was Alsacians and that name probably was just it made more sense, made more sense to people probably than. Well, they just wanted to change it after World War One. Because they didn't want it associated with Germany. I suppose. Yeah, there was a big ban on Germany after World War One. Yeah. And so I was surprised the Doberman didn't have like more you know, backlash for the name. Well, I think part of it was that it got anglicized because we talked about that a little bit. Right, and what's yeah. weird, too, is that there was never a dispopularity of the dogs themselves. It was just yeah. the the country it came from. And Doberman's. I think may have been, you know, just a weird example as far or like a uh, what's the what's the phrase I'm looking for? Like a exception. Exception. Thank you. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they are extremely useful dogs like they're bred for being occupational. And I maybe the Americans were like they are German, but they're the best breed that we can have. And yeah, German Shepherds still remain pretty popular. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I see. Like I see Americans them all didn't the time. seem to mind. At, well, we have someone in our neighborhood walks an all black German Shepherd. That's very oh, cute. Yeah. I saw them in the park cool. the other day. Yeah. Socially distanced, of course. <laughs> Let's talk a little about their appearance. Yes, please. Their AKC description says the first impression of a good German Shepherd dog is that of a strong, agile, well muscled animal, alert and full of life. The ideal dog is stamped with a look of quality and nobility. Difficult to define, but unmistakable when present. Got it. They range from 22 to 26 inches tall and 50 to 90 pounds. Okay, so this is the German Shepherd. This is the, like, what they're supposed to look like, right? Yes. Okay. Some distinctive features are, like, the pointed ears. And a large wolf-like head. Love it. Very long, fluffy tail, too. I really like their fur, too. They've got very very soft, thick fur. Yeah, so the big, thick double coat. Oh, yeah. Do they shed a lot? Yeah, they do. Daily brushing. But they don't need baths very often. Interesting. Interesting. Daily brushing, I can deal with. (laughs) Because I feel like... I'm gonna want to go. I do want a golden retriever someday, and that's gonna, right. we're gonna have to do that. Yeah, sort of a similar coat, or even like a have. Well, have and ease don't shed, do they? We're, I don't know. We're off topic. I'm getting us off topic. <laughs> I do. Okay. I didn't know that their fur was such an intense, like grooming regimen, though. As far as I thought, they kind of just could be left alone. Yeah, they don't need baths often because they have natural oils, but they definitely need to be brushed a lot for sure. So, uh. Most German Shepherds are black and tan, like this one. Yes, that's the traditional. That's, I think, like what everyone sees. Yeah, but the AKC also accepts black, black and cream, black and red, black and silver, blue, gray, liver, sable, and white. Oh, my God. There's so many photos and posts that we're going to have to go through on that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure what some of these actually look like. Sable is a car made by Buick. Oh, Right? Did they Did make the dogs do look or was just that like the Lincoln, that? Or was it the Oldsmobile? The Mercury Sable? Oh, maybe it was My dad Mercury. had those, I think. My dad had a Mercury Lynx when mm. I was a kid. So the temperament of the breed. 
The breed has a distinct personality, marked by a direct and fearless, but not hostile, expression. That's good. Self-confidence and a certain aloofness that does not lend itself to immediate and indiscriminate friendships. That surprises me, actually. I never thought this dog would be aloof. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the ones I've met are kind of aloof, actually. Like, they're not, like, run up to you friendly I as suppose. much. I suppose. I guess to me, aloof means, like, blissfully unaware. They're a little bit, like, off doing their own thing, it seems. Yeah, I suppose when I met that other gold, or golden retriever, when I met that other uh, German shepherd, it was just kind of like, huh? <laughs> it was just like, I'm just here. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're very loyal, though, to their owners. Yeah. They're the, very excited. Like, a lot of, like, old, like, reunion videos. Like, hasn't seen their dog in five years. Oh my God. A lot of those are German shepherds. I would watch them, but loyal. I would just start crying. So, <laughs> yeah. The dog must be approachable quietly standing its ground and showing confidence and willingness to meet overtures without itself making them. So is when it walks in the room, it expects praise, but <laughs> doesn't ask for it. Yeah. yeah it's the AKC description so this is of the, the temperament. This is the like diva dog. <laughs> kind of the this dog, you the, know, I don't want to say the Mariah Carey of dogs because Mariah Carey does deserve applause no matter what very regal dog it sounds yeah, like yeah it's the be. ronald reagan of dogs <laughs> <laughs> well who wants a jelly bean i went from mariah carey to ronald reagan <laughs> yeah i'm not sure how that even applies to be honest but person tear down this wall so i can go for a walk <laughs> Well, I can't do it. I can't. You do a better rate. Well, <laughs> that wasn't very good anyway. So. Well, that's well, Nancy, I'd like a treat, please. I'd like a Alpo jelly bean. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Liver and onion flavor, please. That's disgusting. Okay, go on. Now let's get into the history. Ooh, I'm excited. So in 1890s Bavaria. You know that creamy region? Oh, don't use that word. Ooh, the Germans. The Germans are mad at me. Max. Ooh, the Germans. The Germans come and get me. I'm going to put the Germans come after me. Ooh, the Germans are mad at me. Ooh, the Germans. It's okay. Max von Stefanitz began experimenting with dog breeding, borrowing techniques of British dog breeders of the time. Okay. Von Stefanitz was a retired German cavalry captain who began who became interested in dogs after being stationed at a veterinary college in Berlin. Oh, nice. Stefanitz liked going to dog shows, but noticed that German shepherd dogs, common in Bavaria, yeah. had no formal standardization. Interesting. These dogs were used as living fences for farmers keeping sheep, like the fields around. Makes sense. Stefanitz, uh, oh yeah, by the way, in case you didn't, don't know, shepherd comes from the words sheep and herd. <laughs> Little etymology I learned something new you. today. I only went to a lot of English classes <laughs> in both high school and college. Uh, yes. <laughs> the more you know. For those of you listening, shepherd. No, go on. <laughs> Stefanitz admired the shepherd dogs for their intelligence, strength, ability to work, and wolf-like traits. He for wanted sure. to create a club modeled after British dog clubs of the time to create a breed that best represented all of these features. So the British are always involved, are they directly or indirectly? The British, what is, what's our catchphrase? It's always, always the British. The British. <laughs> womp womp. But yeah. Or do we say English? Or do we say it's always the UK? One it's always the English. It's always the British. It's always the United Kingdom. One of those it's three the Queen. countries. It's always HMQ. <laughs> Her Majesty the Queen. 
one of those three countries <laughs> to create a breed. Uh, anyway, he wanted to create a breed with all those features mm-hmm. he saw in the German Shepherd dogs, <laughs> the old ones. Sure. In 1899, he was at a dog show and saw a dog named Hector Linkserhein. Hector Linkserhein. Yeah. <laughs> Stefanitz saw Hector as the perfect German Shepherd dog, so he purchased him immediately, renamed him Horind von Greffroth. <laughs> Good God. Because that That's really has a better ring to it. Yeah, it's like, let's take it from a slightly Nordic sounding <laughs> name to an even more German name. I think he was self-conscious about the Vaughn and his name, so he wanted a Vaughn in his dog's name. I mean, He's von Stefanitz's dog's now Horind von Greffroth. I'm not... I'm not um, self-conscious about the van <laughs> in my last name you should buy a van no it'd be so cool <laughs> <laughs> then you're truly wesley van who's keep going everyone please. can call you van nope <laughs> full veto so anyway he renamed the dog horrend von Grafroth and formed the varian fjordische or german shepherd society very nice it was probably all one word wasn't it uh no it's four words yeah <laughs> i just can't say them. sometimes german words get really long I and we've, there's a picture of horrend von Grafroth. so it's just 1899 it's a relatively newer breed for how popular it is so this is horrend von Riffraff, <laughs> and it's a very good looking dog it looks almost brindly actually to me maybe yeah, that's kinda. just the photo yeah not as much color. Very, very photos. nice photo though. Very I love how no all these photos. Even. I love how all dog photos in an era before cameras were readily available. There's no dog faces. It's always <laughs> a profile. You never see a dog from the front in old-fashioned pictures, really. Yeah, I mean that's the official like AKC. It seems. Yeah, I don't know. they're very focused on the shape of the entire body. For sure. Well, that makes sense. It just gives a good breeding, like an example, I guess. Yeah, my breeds would be like, make sure it has a cute face. Number one, it can be and as fat as it wants. Sure, the body's healthy. No. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so Stefanitz described Horrend as a gentleman with a boundless zest for life, for living. Okay. And life, I assume. This is the dog or the person. The dog. The dog. Okay. He described his dog, the gentleman with boundless zest for living. Wow. Horrend von Griffroth wasn't the only German Shepherd registered into the new organization. But he was the first, and his offspring went, went on to dominate at German Shepherd shows for generations. Wow. I feel like that tends to happen, too. The minute one breeder has the kind of best example of a breed is that family will just kind of dominate for a while. Yeah. I mean, almost all champion German Shepherds today can trace their ancestry back to Horrend. Horrend von Riffraff. <laughs> That's not his name, but it's easier to pronounce. Von Stefanitz was president of the German Shepherd Society from 1899 until his death in 1936. Oh, wow. That's a long time. Yeah. To be, uh... And in that time, he stayed closely involved with the breed's development. He helped train German Shepherds for World War One. Nice. And the German Shepherd Society grew to become the largest breed club in the world. Wow. In World War One, German Shepherds worked as messengers, ammunition carriers, sentries, and guides for the wounded. German Shepherds guiding blinded soldiers off the battlefield inspired the development of seeing eye dogs, a oh, job wow. they still do today. Yeah, for sure. I knew that German Shepherds were kind of the prototype of medical assistance dogs, seeing eye right, dogs. Yeah. Like, 
I had heard that, I think, in just like a fact video on YouTube, but I had no idea it was related to the war. I thought it was just like, oh, this dog's really good at this. Yeah, a lot of that started in World War One, and it was like on the world stage, too. Sure, so yeah. people from like other countries saw it and you know, wanted this breed. That's and true. Yeah. wanted to start training dogs to be able to do that, particularly German Shepherds. And again, that surprises me. Um, maybe you're getting to this, but was there a backlash with this breed in America or like just because it was German? Um, I'm not sure. I'm sure some people probably had their <laughs> reservations about it, but yeah, but largely, I mean, it did grow to become popular even when, you know, there was World War II. Yeah. Happening. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. As far as I know. I mean, I know Rin Tin Tin caused some controversies with the breed because when it became too popular so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we talked about that with the in the, in chihuahua, the episode. chihuahua episode yeah, yeah. it was like that was a, little, a while back now but anyway back to world war one so <clears throat> we're guiding blind soldiers soldiers on both sides of the conflict were very impressed with the dogs mm-hmm. uh, english and american armies soon began training their own german shepherds nice and by world war ii axis and allied countries were using german shepherds as their messenger and guard dogs nice nice i really like how in a weird way dogs are breaking the racism that comes with a war because there is racism in war you're you're literally fighting another culture like we hate these germans but But their dogs german dog all we have to do is quality like all we have to do is change the name and this dog is a hero exactly i think that's so interesting that just like I wonder if that's a thing of like patriotic reclaiming or like mm-hmm. take or maybe maybe Americans viewed it as we need to get this very good breed out of the hands of very bad people. Mm-hmm. I wonder Possibly. maybe that was the tactic. And Americans did take a lot of like Nazi scientists, right? After the war. Uh or even during the war. During the war, yeah. A lot of them moved to the, to South America in the end of the war. So like the really famous well, ones. Not even like, like Nazi scientists. I mean like just like German. Oh, in Germany. In Germany. Yeah. Okay. Well, like, yeah. A lot of Jewish. Ones a lot of them were displaced. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, Oppenheimer, who helped design the atomic bomb in the United States, his parents were exiled German Jews. Right. Yeah. So he was even a product of that. So, yeah. Yeah. You're dead on for sure. Yeah. Um, and then also got dogs. Too. Yeah. I think I think it's just fascinating that a dog. I mean, actually, that's probably completely separate, though. It, well, I mean, very different reasons. Why yeah. The dogs but at came. the same time, I do think it's interesting that, you know, a dog managed to get out of that view of this. You know, we have to destroy it because it's German. Rather, it became we have to utilize it because it's a very useful dog. Yeah. So I think that's. As much as I hate war and what it does, I think it's admirable that a dog breed survived because well, of that. Speaking of hating war and what it does, Hitler oh God. had a German shepherd named Blondie. Blondie is his favorite dog. And this, this this is some pretty dark history. Just a little content warning, but this, it's it's very... It's truthful. It's history. We, yeah, it's, I mean, it's history I've heard of, and I didn't know a dog was involved so closely here. Yeah. So uh, Blondie was gifted to him as a puppy in 1941. And Blondie stayed with Hitler even when he moved into the Fuhrer bunker, the bunker where he eventually killed himself mm-hmm. as armies were closing in on him. And he tested the cyanide pills he used to kill himself on, on Blondie, Blondie because he thought Himmler, who gave him the pills, might be a traitor and would give him fake pills. Which is ridiculous because Himmler was his one of his closest allies throughout. I mean, Himmler was Himmler. He was like his right-hand man for yeah. a while. And and he'd planned to have his dogs killed anyway because he didn't want his Russians get it, the Russians getting to them. You know, the dog was the victim, but Blondie, you know, suffice it to say, was his favorite 
there's a lot of published stuff about Blondie in Nazi Germany lore. It's yeah. really it's well, they, a weird they also like abused of, a lot of animals and dogs uh, and people. Um, obviously, I mean, a lot yeah. of horrific stuff. There's a lot of I mean. Even the, you know, I read about this with Dobermans and I didn't go so much into it just because it was, I feel like it's kind of known, but their breeding practices for dogs were horrendous. Yeah. Like just the breeding alone of any dog was awful. And so it's just, you know, unsanitary, overbreeding. Yeah. They just did, they did a lot of like unprecedented, oh, like, yeah. horrific things. But weirdly kept very immense records. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's just, it's, it's just such a confounding thing just dogs in nazi germany but anyway go on it's very dark stuff but that's all about nazi germany for now yeah in 1944 (laughs) the u.s military made a list of seven breeds they would accept german shepherds doberman pinchers belgian sheepdogs siberian huskies farm collies eskimo dogs and malamutes malamute malamutes (laughs) this is the this is where on the nazis still right no, these are the breeds that the U.S. military... Oh, sorry. So those are the only breeds the military would... Would accept Got in it. 1944. Oh, okay. All right. German Shepherds are the only breed from that list still trained by the military today, the U.S. Oh, wow. And the only other breeds trained by the U.S. military are Belgian Malinois and Labrador Retriever. That makes sense. Labs are... I think it's mostly smell stuff. Uh, smell stuff. Labs are really popular for search and rescue, too, and, like, disaster yeah. relief. Yeah, German so. Shepherds are as well. I mean, a lot of those dogs. German Shepherds, I, I really... I'm surprised that they're, there's no other... Not even, like, Dobermans. Are Dobermans not used by the military anymore? No. Oh. There's Belgian Malinois, too, which seems sort of similar to German Shepherds and just an all-around, like, good working breed. Sure. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it's probably easier just to have one or two braids than like seven or eight, like or six or seven, just just to kind of keep it consistent, probably. I suppose. I think, you know, it'd have more to do with the individual dog, but I guess they have like such specialized tasks they need them to do. For it's sure. It's easier. All right. Again, some common questions about the breed. Ooh. How dumb is this dog? Well, German Shepherds are ranked number two number on two. Stanley Corrin's list of most intelligent dog breeds. Very nice. So Only behind Border, border Collies. collies. I was going to say it's Border Collies number one, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yep. And we have a video of a oh, nice. black German Shepherd doing some tricks. Fun. I just love how giant these dogs are. I think the black coat is just beautiful. I love black any dog, Germans. Oh, so gorgeous. <laughs> and the hair's so long, too. Such a big dog. So fast. <laughs> She's saying bag for those of you listening. So. Yeah. Touch. Oh, nice. So when she does touch, he puts his snout to her hand. I love the giant ears and tail. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. I love the tail specifically. It's so clear when it's all one color, too. Look like it just looks like a weird wolf you'd see. They look so much... I think they're so majestic when they're all black. Uh-oh. Yeah, definitely. Fill that with something. God, he's so strong. He can't, the Tupperware is, like, too light. So those of you listening, she's having him step up, and he's up on, like, a, I think like he can a storage barely fit bin, on. but he literally can barely fit on it. Yeah. It's, it's like this perching. is a fully grown... 
Oh, and he hopped over it too. Very nice. So they're known for being easy to train and eager to learn and do just about anything. Uh, cool. German Shepherds currently work in the military, law enforcement, search and rescue, personal protection, personal assistance, security, therapy, herding, and acting. Wow, that's a long, that's a long occupation list yeah, there. Yeah, just about anything you'd have a dog do, they can do. Sounds like. And they're some of the biggest around that can do it, so. For sure. Biggest and toughest. Move on to our next question. Nice. So, why are German Shepherds used so often as police dogs? Why are they? Well, basically, they're chosen for their intelligence, loyalty, strength, and ability to stay focused in stressful situations. For that's sure. a big one. Yeah, I've always noticed that they don't buckle. Like, they don't. Like, they're very determined dogs. Yeah. Yeah, definitely very focused. Yeah. Yeah, and they're just big, intelligent dogs. For sure. And I think that makes them versatile, and especially police work. Yeah. And they look intimidating. Yeah. They do look intimidating, <laughs> but at the same time, once you know them as a breed, I feel like the intimidating part stops and you realize that they're just very stern well, looking dogs. I mean... Unless they have, you know, unless they're attacking you. That's I'm, I mean, yeah, but in any in any other situation where you're just seeing them being walked by someone, you know, and they're healing, they're doing all the correct yeah. things. They're just very, like, I almost want to say, like, they're like the professional of the dogs. Like the, you know, like the don't mess with me, I have a job to do type yeah. of dog. They also get the reputation of being like the authorities' dogs, though. So, you know, there's like yeah, that's the horrific images of like the civil rights era. German Shepherds attacking people. Yeah, and it's it was almost used akin to, you know, like, I feel like German Shepherds were stereotypically attached to police. And, you know, I'm trying to, I say stereotypically because I'm trying more to defend the dog than the actions people made it do. Well, yeah. Um, kind of like how pit bulls were very associated with, like... With it dog was, fighting. Yeah, it was almost like, it's like those comparisons are just so widespread. Like, people always think of German Shepherds as a mean police dog. Yeah, I and think... And Pitbulls is the violent fighting dog. You know, it's just like a common yeah, when certain, stereotype. Yeah, when certain groups of people decide to use a breed for something, it's not because that breed just does it naturally. It's usually because it's slightly easier to train them. So, yeah. But then people react in ways that, like, oh, my God, I see so many of these dogs doing this mm -hmm. because that's what they're trained to do so much. It must just be how the dog and is. And there's also dogs that are very... that are trained incorrectly. And inhumanely. Oh, yeah. And that tends to get reported much more than the good stuff. And that can be a problem with certain breeds, too, if they become overpopular and yeah. overpopulated. Oh, yeah, for sure. So next question is, what's the difference between working and show German Shepherds? So working hmm. line and show line German Shepherds have separate lineages. And many owners say work <laughs> separate lines. Lineages is fine. It's okay. just you, you said it really... Like lineages, Le separate lozenges. That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> and many owners say that the working and show lines are so drastically different that they're basically different breeds. Huh. Even though they look pretty similar, but people just insist they're vastly different. Sure. The main difference is being working dogs are more energetic and enthusiastic. Working dogs are smarter. Working dogs are faster and stronger. Show dogs are larger and bulkier. Show dogs have more uniformity in color and longer, thicker coats. And when properly trained, show dogs have a better temperament to become family pets. So it sounds like the show dog is the pampered, docile pet. Yeah. And the working dog is the hardworking, trained yeah, basically. professional. Yeah, it's just interesting that like 
you know, the breed was created to be a working dog, but like there's this, you know, there's two separate contingencies because in order to have an official breed, it has to be in shows. Sure. But those show dogs generally aren't working dogs. Yeah. And I feel like too, you know, we've never been a part of, you know, we, we don't do shows. We don't judge stuff like that. We don't do anything like that. But at the same time, I feel like there is a specific subset of things expected by a dog at a show whether or not like regardless of its occupational use because dobermans go through that i mean doberman show dobermans are are not at all like what dobermans are you know thought of this the whole training is different to being in a show so i can understand that but i think it's interesting that they almost compare them as two different breeds i just i've never heard that yeah, said before. Yeah, although it, it is. A, we, we were watching the Purina dog show this yeah. week, and yeah. they had the dog Argentino for the first time, mm-hmm. and I think that was the dog they said was actually a working breed. It hunts boars. Yes, like that that actual dog, what that, a, not just the breed. What a dramatic thing to do! With what a life, life for that dog. Yeah, I'm hunting boars to, in the Purina dog show. <laughs> so you're wondering how is the grooming mm-hmm. for German shepherds? I always wonder how the grooming is in any dog because it's a huge factor for me. Well, they have a thick double coat, which, as we now know, means sheds all the time. Well, darn. But then daily brushing is a must. Sure. If you want to keep it nice and fluffy and not tangled. <laughs> Bad. Well, you got to have a big floofy dog. So. <laughs> However, their coat contains natural oils to keep it clean, so they only need to be bathed every four or five months. Wow. That's... Yeah. That's a lot. I thought you were going to say four to five weeks. No. Well, that's good. I mean, unless they're rolling I, yeah. around in mud, I guess they're fine. I guess. Do they? Do they recommend? Do you know if they recommend like professional grooming every four to five months or just bathing in general? Um, definitely bathing. I'm not sure if, how often the coat needs to be clipped or if it stays that length. I'm guessing it probably stays a decent length. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, if anything, if it just gets knotted or matted, you might have to get. A groomer to well, take yeah, care definitely. of that but and just try to brush as much as possible mm-hmm. to avoid that yeah they've never been i've never heard of them as dogs that require tons and tons of like professional grooming it was always just like they're hairy dogs and yeah you... they're big and you need to brush a lot yeah <laughs> so uh nail trimming and dental care are important uh but can be difficult to do at home by yourself they have very dark nails they're kind of hard to see mm-hmm also, trimming your dog's nails can always be difficult. Well, it's like we always say on here, we're getting a dog, use a nail grinder. Don't use a nail clipper because they're safer. And actually, I think easier to train a dog with because you very, it's like very rare you can hurt them with a nail grinder. Yeah. It doesn't hurt them. It's probably. It doesn't. Okay. It, it, and it isn't like you know you can clip into their nerves easily like you can most of the time those things come with like guards so you know right. like when to stop so anyway go on sorry oh yeah um cleaning ears and checking for blockages in the ears can also be important as german shepherds have very large deep ears that's one thing that infections can be a problem yeah i've noticed that about a lot of dogs we've been covering this season as ears have become mm-hmm. a much more like you need to pay attention to them thing I'm not with sure how. Big, like, we're supposed to get a breeds. little light to look in their ear? Or, like, the doctor's thing? Uh, I don't know. Maybe that could be something we look at, how to properly groom your dog's ears, and we could talk about that in another episode. Yeah. I've never looked into it. I've always just assumed... Don't just get a Q-tip. does it. You're not even supposed to do that if you're a human. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
And now our final section, famous German shepherds. (laughs) Famous. So we discussed the career of Rin Tin Tin in the Chihuahua episode. Yes. Who's a big movie star from the silent film era that was rescued from a battlefield in World War I. Then another dog actor from the time was Strongheart, the first German shepherd to get a name above the title billing. Oh, wow. So apparently he felt slightly more famous than Rin Tin Tin. So it would be like Strongheart in... Yeah. Okay. I guess it was easier to star dogs in silent films. I mean, makes sense because they don't talk. So there's not that weird leap of like, oh, we have to include dialogue for them. You can just watch them in that case. Like in that weird movie, Cats vs. Dogs. We don't talk about that movie. <laughs> Even the lead character is Beagle. We should have a whole podcast on that movie. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Uh, but it's interesting to think these, this is like a relatively new breed for America when these dogs became so famous. Sure, sure. They're sort of riding a wave. Yeah. I mean, it, I think, you know, the silent film era, too, is so interesting with dogs because there are a lot of dogs that were featured in film in the golden ages of Hollywood. Yeah. Like a lot of German shepherds. Talkies. Yeah. They're popular. Oh, yeah. I I just think it's super interesting that, you know, that's always been a part of our and previous maybe two or three generations psyche is dogs being made famous through mass media. Yeah. So I just I I would I I wonder what it was like to not have that, you know, like see it not see a dog on television or on or here or on movies or something. Yeah, It's understandable that people thought like that. German Shepherds were just wonder dogs like Rin Tin Tin. Sure. Too. And that like the problem of overpopulation and bad breeding practices to fill and, the like, demands. Training happened. and all that stuff. Yeah. So like through the 20, like middle 20th century stuff got bad for German Shepherds basically. And everyone right. thought they were dangerous because there was just too many of them. People buying them weren't ready. It's the same story for every breed that happens to. I mean, yeah. it's, you know people see it they think it's one thing then and it's not and they buy it don't like it return it or put it in a shelter i mean it's the same story people just you know we beg you if you're gonna get a dog please do your research about yeah. the dog you yeah know, more than just, just this so show know. too <laughs> yeah more than just our show i mean look buy books go on watch Animal ask, Planet. ask professionals yeah we're i mean we're just simpletons that read <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway the other famous dogs to talk about is Joe Biden's German Shepherds. There's a video about those. Yay. He has two German Shepherds. We bring into the White House. First rescue dog in the White House, too. At least one tradition isn't taking a back seat in this pandemic, the presidential pooch. Dogs have joined every U.S. leader in the White House except Donald huh. Trump. President-elect I didn't Joe know Biden that. has two grouch. German shepherds, and when his family moves he's into got 50 cats, I bet. Pennsylvania Avenue, <laughs> he's a super a cat guy. <laughs> yeah, he's got cat guy energy. Much has been made of the historic nature of the U.S. election, and there's a furry footnote that is giving some dog lovers a reason to bark. For the first time in four years, Paws will be walking the halls of the White House with the arrival of President-elect Joe Biden's German Shepherds, Champ and Major. What makes this pup particular is that he's the first, first dog that's a rescue, adopted two years ago by then-former Vice President Biden from the Delaware Humane Association. This litter of puppies had, had come from a dire situation and we had all really... Uh, become attached to them. So it was a really, really exciting day, obviously, because 
President-elect Joe Biden was there. There was no security and very little fanfare when Biden picked up his pooch. But workers hope Major's <laughs> newfound fame will reframe. Interesting how little fanfare there was in 2018. Animals. What we really yeah. hope is that other people will be inspired by Major's rags to riches story. The importance of adoption is so so real. There's nothing more rewarding than adopting an animal from an animal shelter. It. It's long been the. Oh, but I want to know okay. about. I want to watch Reagan running with a dog. This <laughs> for presidents to have pets in the White House. President Calvin Coolidge had collies. The Clintons had a cat. Oh, named they had the socks. socks. Yeah, <laughs> they were the cat. Oh yeah, Taft had a cow. <laughs> Historically, yeah. when a first family has a furry friend. There's a copycat okay, effect. Well, I had a book of presidential pets. Calvin Coolidge had a crazy amount of pets. He had like so many exotic animals. I mean, John Quincy Adams kept an alligator in the bathtub. Well, I mean, <laughs> back then Quincy though, Adams. back then though, it wasn't weird to own an alligator. It's like, oh, that's just like our eccentric president I, has an alligator. It had to have been weird. What? <laughs> I don't know. I do enjoy though that. The f next first dog will be a rescue dog. Yeah. That's very heartening. Yeah, that's nice. And uh, heartening, not hardening. Yeah, Joe and his <laughs> heartening. Joe and his wife Jill have had Champ since 2008. He lived with them in the vice presidential residence. Okay, like through his vice presidency. Nice. And they just adopted Major a couple sure. years. Ago. Yeah, I guess a Why? lot of presidents did have dogs. Lyndon Johnson had the Basset Hounds, grabbed by the ears. Nixon had a dog. If they had beagles, he would grab by the ears. Yeah. All right, beagles. They're yeah. basset hounds, beagles. <laughs> he yeah, did it in front them. of the press. <laughs> it's like he got re he got in a lot of trouble for that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. It's ridiculous. Oh, presidents. Oh, Aren't presidents. you all crazy? On some level, you kind of probably have to be to want that job. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's, that's what you learn. American history. <laughs> I just think about what they look like on day one versus their last day <laughs> as president. Let's get a picture of the dogs from day one to last day. I bet they age even more. The dogs work even harder. They have like, they, their dogs probably have private chefs. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> well, yeah, but it's eight years. You know, that's a long time for a dog. I suppose. So that is a long so time hard. for a dog. So how old is Champ? Uh, Champ's got to be old. He's, they've had him since 2008, so 12, 12 at least. 12, wow. And Major's only two. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm happy there's a rescue dog going in the White House. It's yeah, a very it's awesome. a Cinderella story of dogs. Yeah, it's nice to see that there's tons of demand for rescue dogs now, especially in this pandemic. And it's I not think, like such demand for particular breeds anymore and like designer dogs. Yeah, I think, too, people have begun to realize that it isn't necessarily what the dog looks like, but just the companionship that one brings. Yeah. And also, I think our generation is extremely aware of the bad history of dogs and mm. we are just you know well, even podcasts us, make me we're out aware. to rectify that we want to get rid of you know the negativity that surrounds certain dog breeds we're all about that on yeah. our show and i really like that there is a generation of people and older people too that see through the whole stereotype and misjudgment of rescue dogs so i don't know i'm just really happy that a rescue dogs going. Yeah, I'm very interested in dog breeds, even though like, I don't know, I hope this podcast you know, helps, you know, shed that interest while also highlighting the dangers that oh, sure. focusing on them can cause. But I mean, it's still just fun to have so many. All in dogs. all, it really it really is down to education yeah. and just people, 
you know, if you're going to be a pet owner, you have to educate yourself on what you're getting yourself into. It's not it's not as easy as it used to be as just getting a dog. I mean, I don't know why the yeah. culture ever thought that way, but well, there was a simpler time, I suppose, <laughs> when I, that I didn't grow up in. So, <laughs> well, well, I guess that's all. I really enjoy um, I really like German Shepherds. Yeah, they're great. I, I think, I'd love to have one. Sometime. I, you know, even me too. I think you know they'd be a great like family pet as far as just having like a, a big dog. You know, if I ever wanted a big dog, yeah, you really got to train it well. It's around kids and all though. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't mind that. I mean, we'd have to do that with, you know, honestly, any dog, big or small, you have yeah. to train them to behave well around children and other people. So. That doesn't irk me so much. I think it'd just be the yeah, whole... Yeah, they're known for being pretty easy to train, like eager to learn. So are as they... long as you spend time with them and sure. play with them plenty. What's their like activity level? Like, Do they need a lot of space to run around in? Are they kind of like, will they laze around if they want to? Like, They're very energetic at a young age, especially. For sure. So they're, they're big and need some space to run around. Okay. I don't think they're apartment dogs. Generally. No, no. But, or like, would it be good to say like it, if you were going to get a German Shepherd, it'd be best if you have like a backyard. Oh, yeah, definitely. That, that'd be ideal for any dog that likes to run. That's true. But I mean, for the bigger breeds, especially, I think it's yeah. very true. Um, I don't know. I, I really like this breed. I think that they've got a lot going for them. I think they always, you know, have been popular in some way. And yeah. they've, you know, nothing's proven me wrong or nothing. Nothing's saying otherwise for yeah. me. It's like another breed one. that's just they can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel? Do you would you want to get one later on? Yeah, definitely. It's yeah, it's interesting. They're just so big and strong and smart and just capable. It's like a real dog's dog. Sure. Yeah, I like that description. <laughs> a real dog's dog. Yeah. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us again this week on We're Getting a Dog. If you want to check out all of our other episodes, you can go on YouTube or to We're Getting a Dog on your favorite podcast directory. We're starting to kind of get into the back half of season two now, which is kind of interesting so we're gonna have to start yeah. planning for another season but yeah, what's season three gonna be about season three we don't know but um hey if you want to support us though please go to our patreon it's patreon.com slash we're getting a dog you can donate only two dollars a month just to get early access to all of our episodes we're gonna start doing mini sods in the new year which will be included on patreon as well um there's also extra benefits there just in you know just go ahead and take a look and i know it's a tough time but if you can donate we would definitely appreciate it oh, if you want to you can also check out our other shows at arcadiapodcastnetwork.com but um yeah thank you all so much and help control the pet population by having your pets spayed or neutered <laughs> bye everyone <laughs> wesley van Hoosen and dylan naylor are not pet professionals any advice regarding pet ownership and the responsibilities thereof taken from this program should be checked with your veterinarian. All episodes are researched thoroughly, fact-checked, and additionally researched during post-production. Annotated bibliographies of every episode can be found at we'regettingadog.com slash bibliographies. This podcast is hosted by Dylan Naylor and Wesley Van Hoosen. If you'd like to reach out or submit a photo of your dog to be featured on our social media, please contact us at WGAD at ArcadiaPodcastNetwork.com or on our Instagram at We're Getting a Dog. Thank you for listening to We're Getting a Dog from the Arcadia Podcast Network. If you'd like to support our podcast, please go to Patreon.com slash We're Getting a Dog. 
We have different tiers with different benefits set up, and we hope that you will support us so that we can grow and continue to make quality content. Hi there, I'm Wesley Van Hoosen, and I make good food. I also have bad friends, but bad in a good way. On Good Food for Bad Friends, I'll have a different guest on each episode to learn all about their history with food. We'll talk about anything from the foods of their childhood to the deep-rooted culinary traditions that they've incorporated into their everyday lives. Along with each episode, one or two recipes will be released to you through our website. These recipes are researched, adapted, and tested by me, and they're inspired by the conversations I have with each guest. I hope you subscribe and tune in as I talk with all the different people in my life about their experiences with food. Available everywhere from the Arcadia Podcast Network.